0: welcome to the new vision church podcast new vision church is a diverse bible teaching jesus-centered church in san diego california and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical jesus thanks for joining us today now here's this week's sermon morning good to see you brothers and sisters happy new year Great to be gathering. And those online, we want to thank you for joining us online uh, this morning, guys. I just want to encourage you as a gift. We've been announcing this gift to you as uh, right now media. It's a blessing to you. It's a gift to you. You can go on to the website and and get your password and get what you need because it has things for the kids. It has things for the adults. Apologetics. You can get into the Word every day. Our heart is that you guys will be equipped as believers to really know the true and living God and that we're following really true. You follow the biblical Jesus, not the Jesus we're seeing on TV, but the Jesus we're seeing from the scriptures. And so I want to encourage you to, to have that time in the Word. We're always trying to build you up in the faith and encourage you in the faith. So I want to encourage you to, to grab that. It's a gift from us. It's a, it's a subscription. only. You put your own passwords in, your own things to get in and enjoy multiple teachers out there that, are, that, are, that love the Lord and are, are solid in the teaching of the Word. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. St. Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 21 um, this morning as so I'm going to start a new sermon series called Remind. Um, obviously, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. For many of you know that as we've headed into holiday and the, the coronavirus has been happening and, the, and this variants are happening. And I know a lot of people are being affected by that. Not only uh, my family, but other people have been affected by that. And so I, I think we've had a lot of times to think about what's going on. During that time, I've, I've, uh, I, was, I watched this documentary. And this documentary is about the Eubanks family. The Eubanks family were missionaries in Burma and Syria and Iraq and Sudan, and they would go to war-torn states. In fact, David and his wife and his three children committed themselves to be ambassadors to the nations. In fact, David and his family established this ministry over 20 years ago. And their purpose of, of the free Burma Rangers is to share the love of Jesus and to be ambassadors wherever they go. In fact, David described his mission as this, is to, is to give help, hope, and love, to put light on situations and conflict areas where we are invited. We work for, to free the oppressed and stand for justice and reconciliation wherever we go. Men and women of different ethnicities at beliefs make up the FBR humanitarian belief efforts and are called to serve for love. For me, as the director of Free Burma Rangers, my family and I serve compelled to be to, by the love, forgiveness, redemptions of Jesus and want to share this with all that we meet. This family committed themselves to the gospel to go to nations that were in the middle of civil wars. They have little kids they would take to the jungles in Burma where there was shooting and craziness going on. They were, there's, a, there's a scene in the documentary where they're actually in Mosul in Iraq where people have been shot and they're wounded against the wall and they're with the military and nobody's going to go save them. And this family, this father and a bunch of people that he's trained go behind these tanks and rescue these people in the midst of being shot at for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to go see that that documentary. It's called Free Burma Rangers, where they tell their whole story. But this is a family that's been transformed by the gospel and have become ambassadors of the gospel to to oppressed people affected by genocide and war, and they have laid down their lives for the love of God and for the love of others. Now, we may not be called to torn countries, to war-torn countries, but we have been called to be world will changers of the gospel. We have been made new to be a voice of hope through the gospel. And Jesus came to change us so that we can be agents of change for others. As, as I watch that documentary, I begin to reflect. I think at the end of the year, we all take moments of reflection. What, where have we been? What's going on? Where do we need to go? Right? I, I begin to think my, in fact, even my wife, we were talking as we watched this documentary, we begin to say, man, where have we lost the zeal? Or maybe we've lost that passion. Or where, where have we lost that excitement to take risk for the gospel? I had to check myself. I had to, I had to go back and say, God, where have I become comfortable? And one of the things to be convenient in my own life as I begin to look about this new year. As I begin to pray, where do we go as a church? Where do we go as as God's people? What is God moving? What is he stirring in us? And like Sandra got the word restoration, the Lord gave me the word word rebuild. That we have to begin to rebuild. And the best way to rebuild is to remind people of their mission and our mission as a church. And so we need to rebuild people and communities with the hope of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is what transforms people and leads reconciliation with God and others, which will transform the world. We'll be his ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Uh, My kids have been in, my family and my kids have been in uh, from all over for Christmas. My son from LA has been with us for a week. And my daughter from New York has been in for this week. And all my kids were gathered around the, the table for Christmas and we hadn't seen them together for a while. Like I'm not a, I'm not a, my, my family loves to play games, but I'm not a games type of guy. I don't really like go play games. Like they like to play Monopoly and, and all these games. And I'm not much of that type of a guy. And so I'd been doing some to house yesterday, doing all these things. And it was, it was later in the evening and they wanted to play games. They wanted to play Uno. And they're like, come on, let's play Uno. I'm like, ah, I don't want to play Uno. I was a joy killer. I was like, you know, like, no, you guys go play for it. And then my daughter says something, my youngest daughter said something. She goes, Dad. All of us are gathered together as a family. Let's, let's enjoy the family. Let's be together and let's play the game together. Man, you know, like, like oh, man. You know what I mean? It's just like conviction. And I be, she began to simplify what family really means. She began to simplify why we're there. It wasn't about the game. It was about being together. It's about having an experience as a family. You know what? We, we need to keep things simplified. We need to keep things reminded of our purpose. As a purpose as a community, as a purpose as a church, as a purpose as families today. What, what is really the number one purpose that we're here for? That's why I wanted to do the sermon series on our mission to remind us of our purpose. Our purpose as individuals, our purpose as families, our purpose as a church and I thought the best way to rebuild the church, the best way to rebuild communities is to remind us of our simple mission. And this is our mission, if you put it up by the way. This is our mission. And it, you saw it on the, the bumper. It says, new vision exists to transform people in their communi- communities by replicating the followers of the biblical Jesus by expressing love, equipping believers, empowering service, and evangelizing the Far. This is our mission as a church. This is why we do what we do. It's in line of Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it's in line with the scriptures. Everything we do out of our church will have a scriptural base. The scriptures is what drives us because that's his authority. The scriptures is what leads us. And I really want to focus this morning on the first part of our mission statement is about being transformed to be transformers because transformed people transform people, change people, change people. And the gospel is about replication and reproduction we're called to be multipliers. That's why we have multiple sites. So we're going to multiple sites. It's not even about how big we get. It's about the influence we can have in touching lives. That each of you have a role in touching somebody's life. Because one plus one equals two. And we're called to just touch one. Who are you touching today as a changed person? Who are you ministering today as a changed church, as a changed person? You know, you may not be, this may not be your pulpit. This is my place because I'm called to this place, but this may not be your place. Your place might just be at the 7-Eleven serving people, ministering and loving on them. Your place might just be at the Vaughn store or might just be at the the school or might just be serving somewhere, wherever God's placed you, just to be an influencer in that place. That might just be your pulpit right now. That might just be your place, that you're having influence to touch somebody with this gospel. That's where God has placed you come on, come on. because he's changed you. And so this morning, I just want to talk a little bit and remind us of a couple of things this morning. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21, and we're going to look at three things that we have to be reminded of this morning Starting at verse 16 it says, Therefore, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, as anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not in putting their trespasses, to him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, we thank you for this moment that we have with you, that by your word you speak to us. And Father, you brought those here this morning and online to hear from you. I pray that your spirit would speak. Father, I pray that you would touch us in ways that we haven't been touched. I pray that you restore, you renew, you remind, you do all that you need to do for this next year. And there's some things we're gonna have put in the past because you made some things new. And I pray that they who are listening and those who are watching online and hearing this morning that Father, that the words that I bring this morning are from heaven the words that I bring this morning of your spirit. Because we know that your word is alive and active, Lord, and it speaks. And so, Father, this morning, we ask that your word, the logos, the truth, would speak this morning. And so we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. I want to remind you of three things this morning. Here's the first thing. I want to remind you that you are new creations. I want to remind you that you are new creations this morning, right? Now, we have a lot of development happening in our, our city. You can see, you drive around, and you see all these buildings going up around the city. And there was one guy who was selling his property and, and he was putting it on the market and he had an owner, owner interested. So when he arrived there, he didn't realize that his building had been vandalized, that there was riding all over it, the windows had been cracked. And he was kind of embarrassed by bringing this potential buyer. And he said to the buyer, you know, hey, I, I will fix all this stuff. If you're interested, I will, I will fix all that, that is here. It's not going to look like when it's done. And the potential owner said this, forget the building. When I get this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. Spiritually speaking, God has a renovation plan for us all. We can't clean up our own act. We can't fix it. But when we come to Christ, he has purchased us with the blood and the lives, our lives are scheduled for demo because the old is gone and the new has come. All he wants is the sight and permission to build. That's all he wants in us. So the first thing we have to look at as we're talking about that, we have to be reminded that we're new creations, that God made us new, is that we have to see things through the spirit and not through the flesh. We have to see things through the Spirit. Look at verse 16. It says this, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to flesh, yet now we know thus no longer. Let me give you some context to what's happening because a lot of times to understand the text, you have to understand the context. Meaning, what is is Paul writing in this book? And what is Paul writing in chapter two? Chapter two, 2 Corinthians, I mean, chapter five of 2 Corinthians is a powerful chapter. If you go all the way to the beginning, he's talking about, we have this spiritual life that this, this life is a tent. It's temporary. For those who like to go camping, you take a tent to go camping, but that's not something meant to be lived in for a long time. It's only temporary. That's why we call it a tent. You know, some of you are, are, are you know, you go to temp agency or you have a tent that's temporary. And so Paul's saying, let me tell you this, this physical body, this flesh in this body is temporary. There's one day we're going to get a new body. There's one day we're going to stand before the Lord, absent from this body, be present with the Lord, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's a temporary thing. So Paul begins to lay out the spiritual understanding that can we start seeing things because we're new creations? Can we start seeing through spiritual eyes and not fleshly eyes? Can we now see things in the spiritual world that we didn't see before? We know that chapter two describes this earthly body as a tent, but it also describes a spiritual body and that this earthly body be resurrected to a spiritual body. We see that in 2nd chapter Five, verse one, and now we walk by faith and not by sight. See, as new creatures, we walk by faith and not by sight because we can look at the world and see all that's going on and be discouraged and have hopeless. Because now we're seeing by what we see, but we don't see by what God, how God sees it. What Paul is beginning to do here, he's saying is, listen, because I'm a new creation. I see things in the spirit, I don't see things in the flesh. I want you to think about this for a moment because I think he's rep- referencing the incarnation of Christ. We talked about that when Jesus came into the flesh. Paul may have been one of the Pharisees at the time that Jesus was gonna be crucified, that he actually saw Jesus in the flesh. He saw him and he, he experienced Jesus in the flesh, but he also met Jesus in the spirit. Because on the road to Damascus, Paul had an encounter with Jesus and the Spirit that knocked him off his horse, made him go blind, and he came to faith, and that changed his whole trajectory of who he was, and now he started saying, you know what, when I look at people, I don't look at their shortcomings, I look at their possibilities. When I look at people, I don't look at what they're from and where they came from and what they've done, I only look at the, what destiny that God has for them. Now, he begins to change their lenses how they begin to see things. See, as new creations, we got to change our vision. We got to change our perspective. We can have our eyes on what's before us, or we can have our eyes on what's heavenward. Come on, come on. People say, you know, you can't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. No, we need to be heavenly minded so we can be earthly good. Right now. So we got to begin to understand. So Paul is beginning to address that right now. We know that if you're not made new, if you're not a new creation, 2 Corinthians two fourteen. First Corinthians two fourteen says this. But people who aren't spiritually can't receive the truth of God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. I want you to understand what he's saying here. If you're born of the Spirit or born of God, the words that I bring can be very confusing to you. They, they don't make sense to you. In fact, they're not even logical to you. The how we speak is, oh, Pastor Pete, you're just high high in the sky. Let's look at life in reality. In fact, we have to be careful that we don't even live like that because if we live like that, we will live without hope. We'll live without hope. Prior to, prior to Paul's conversion and coming to faith, he was a persecutor of Jesus. Right? He was the one that had Stephen stoned. He he was the one that was anti-God and, and anti-Christ. And the very thing he hated when he came to Christ became the very thing he loved. I find that very interesting that with the very thing we disliked about church and about God's people and, and all these different things now becomes the very thing in people we love. How God transforms our lives. How we used to speak, I was like that. Well, I don't want to go to church. I didn't ever want to go to church. That was not even on my. You know, church is not even on the radar of a lot of people today, right? They're home right now watching the football games. That's what they're doing. They're having breakfast with their families. God is not even on their mind. Faith is not even on their mind. The Bible says that in the last days, people will be eating and drinking, and being married before I come. I don't think that they were, that's really dealing with debauchery. Like people, like, oh, they're partying and they're hanging out and they're being sinful. No, you know what they're doing? They're just doing life without God. They're having birthday parties for their kids and they're going to football games. And that's just life. But God is not in the picture. That's not a part of who they are. They, Sunday morning is not relevant for them. They would say, why, why, I, why would I waste two hours in my day to come to church? But, but here, new birth has happened in Paul's life. And, and so he's writing about this new birth and, and how he sees people and how he sees God, right? And how when Jesus resurrected, over many, many people saw God, 500 people, the apostles, the women, 500 people saw Christ. They saw, they saw Jesus in his resurrected form. Guys, when we're made new, we see things differently. We see things differently, right? We respond differently. A kind word turns away right. People come angry at us. We don't get angry back at them. Don't repay evil with evil, but we pay evil with good. We see things differently. When they get angry, right? Turn the other cheek. What are you talking about the They're going to get me. No. When you turn the other cheek means I just want a relationship with you. I'm not here to be angry with you. I'm offering a peace to you. So Jesus, did not Jesus say, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's turning other, he's trying to offer a relationship with us that we're angry with him. Because we think differently. So when we come to, to faith and we're made new, guess what? God begins to change our heart and our mind to think differently, live differently and act differently. Not because we have to, but just because he's in us. We're going to see that here because the second thing, we have to begin to understand our identity in Christ. Here's the second thing about being new. Look at 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want you to hear this. In Christ, that's a very, if you have your Bible, underlined that because that's very significant. In Christ, you are a new creation. Therefore, if anyone, I love that, anyone, is, is, the, the gospel is open to anyone. That whosoever believes, I don't care what age you are, what race you are, gender, language, economic status, educational status, everyone has access to the gospel. It's for everyone. And our new life, this new creation is found in Christ. Why? You know why it's in Christ? Because it's in us that changes us. It's Christ in us that changes us. We're not being changed by how we are affected by outward. True transformation changes by what's happening inward. That God's changing our heart from within. He's changing our lives from within. This is not a, a formula that we get to, if we practice this, this, and this, we're going to change. No, no, no. We got to ask God to come in here and say, what's the root of the problem of my mess? What does that God have to undo? You know, I, right now you've seen a lot of rain happen the last two weeks in my backyard. I see weeds coming up, Right. And so now I got I to gotta pluck up all those weeds, right? Because they just grow. What is the weed in my heart that needs to be uprooted? What is it in there, God, that you need to do within me? You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest and transparent with you. You know, my wife had, had a broken shoulder. And she fell, putting up the decorations in the church, and she fell off a ladder and fractured her shoulder. And so she's been down for several weeks, she, and she's still down. And so in that time, I had to take care of her. I had to make sure that I... I Took her, went to the bathroom and changed her and and make sure everything. she couldn't move her arms. She couldn't cook dinner. Thank God for the church that brought this food or she'd been surviving on hot dogs and macaroni and cheese for four weeks. (laughs) Listen, but I had to be there every day. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it was hard. I was like, Lord, come on now. She'd be dropping stuff all over the place. And, oh, Pete, can you go do this? And we have a two story. She so goes, oh, I forgot this. So I go upstairs, bring it down. She goes, oh, I need this. I go back up there. And go, I need that. I gotta go back up there. I'm like, really, Lord? Being a servant is hard. But listen, what was God doing? He says, Pete, you know what, what God was doing is? Pete, this is the gospel. I'm, I'm renewing you in an area that you need to learn right now. I'm trying to refine you in an area that you're weak in right now. You know what I mean? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you for speaking so loving to me. (laughs) Listen, listen, that is what God does in us. He he begins to work in us, in our heart, because there's areas that we need to be changed in. That's what it means to be Christ. He's transforming Pete from within, not from without. He's dealing, you know why? Because Pete is selfish and he wants to go watch the football game too. (laughs) You know. I'm just being honest, guys. God's doing a work in me just as much as he's doing a work in you. And so he's doing this work in us because we're in Christ. We're a new creation, means that God came into us and now he's regenerating us. He's making us new. That word new creation means made unprecedented, unheard of, and made new. That God's made you in such a new way that's like, man, you're totally different. John 3 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, or really it's another word is born of the spirit. Unless you're born of the spirit, you will not see. Notice the word, see the king. You will not see the kingdom principles or values or understand them. People off. this is the verse by which this church's name is based on, New Vision. Because New Vision means that when you come to faith, you're a new creation and you see things differently. And God puts vision in you now that you've never had before in your life. That's why we named it new vision because I believe that when I came to faith, God changed my whole paradigm, my whole, my whole family history, everything and gave us a new perspective. And we got to live differently and see things differently, right? Like Neil in the matrix, we took the red pill and saw the world and what it really is. Because the gospel pill, some of you got it, some of you didn't. Um, the gospel will open your eyes to see things differently. The red pill, the blood of Jesus will change us, right? Titus, Paul writing to the, Titus says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, that's Jesus in the flesh, not by working righteousness, which we have done. Hey, we weren't good enough, but according to his mercy, he saved us, right? His mercy, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration, making us new and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He just poured it like a flood, his spirit on us. That's in Christ. That's where we're new. So with, because we're new, what does that mean? In Christ, old is gone. The past is gone, right? He's made us new. The old is a race. It no longer exists Psalm 10312 says, as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. Guys, he's cast away our mess. He's removed it. We can't keep bringing it up. It's gone, right? He erased it. He sponged it. He got rid of it. He doesn't remember it anymore. Woo! What did he erase? And he espunged the old way of thinking, the old values, the old priorities, the old plans, the things we... Guys, those very things we worshiped, we don't worship anymore. We don't value them anymore. This doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means we're changed and being changed each day, right? We're not, we're not clean and then trying to be clean. We're being renewed day by day. He's renewing us day by day. Shame he has removed. Condemnation he has removed because therefore in Christ, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And What? In Christ, all things have become new. Your future is new. You have a new vision. You're called to live a life in accordance with this new life. You're to walk in step with God. There is a new walk as a believer, as a follower of Christ. We do have a swag. (laughs) We do, right? Because Peter writes to the church, he says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of marvelous glory and excellence. God has given us everything we need to follow Jesus and to live what we do, live how we're called to live. He's given, not us; He's resourced us. God has resourced us with holiness. So He says, "Be holy, for I am holy." Peter said, "Because you're already holy. He made you holy. He deemed you holy. So just walk in holiness." because he's giving you that divine power. So first of all, talking about being reminded. First of all, I want to remind you that you're new, that you're a new creation. God's doing this great work in you. Hold on that God is doing this work in you. Here's the second thing. Remind them that they have a mission. Remind them that they have a mission in verses 18 and 19, right? Christmas, we just celebrate Christmas. Christmas did not, become an official holiday in the United States until President Ulysses S. Grant proclaimed it in 1870. The president hoped that celebrating a shared national holiday of love and goodwill might serve to bring greater unity between the North and the South, which were still divided by the bitterness of the enmity of the Civil War. The coming of Christ was the key to our reconciliation with God and others. We know that there was nothing civil about the Civil War but the president was moving toward reconciliation. He was trying to bring hope to a divided nation. He was working to reconcile a nation. And the only way they could reconcile a nation is if Christ was the centerpiece, was the one who can reconcile. And so though Christ be the centerpiece, the president was the conduit by which he was at work to bring reconciliation with the nations through Christ. We, the church, those who are followers of Jesus, those that are in Christ, have been given the same mission to be reconcilers. Jesus is the one who changes the heart of men and calls them to the ministry of reconciliation. And we are the servants who are called upon to be reconcilers, what? Of a divided nation. Of a divided nation. So I wanna remind you, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 18. Now all thing now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We all have a ministry whether you may say, well, Pastor, I'm not in the ministry. Yeah, you are. You have a ministry, whether you realize it or not, right? But the first ministry of reconciliation first starts with our relationship with God. Right? Our vertical relationship, right? There's a vertical and a horizontal. In verse here, 18, he first deals with this vertical relationship, now all things, who has reconciled us to himself. God came to reconcile us with him. And Jesus would be the bridge for that. He would be the mediator for that. He would be through the cross, would make a way for us to get right with God. That's what reconciliation is, right? The init- God's initial work of reconciliation was the work of salvation is the work of God. Now, we think of the word reconciliation, and it's really a, a, a term to reconcile is, is, is actually a, a banking term, right? It's like when things don't add up, right? When things don't add up, you need to reconcile an error, right? Reconciling means to put things back in the right order. You, you, I'm hoping that in your checkbook, you reconcile your checkbook or you reconcile your accounting, Right, to make sure it all adds up, make sure it's even. It's an accounting term. Okay. Maybe you guys don't live like that, and maybe you don't live by budgets, and because you have checks in your checkbook means you have cash. I, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? So you have to make sure that your numbers line up and match up. That's how you balance things. Right. This is how you make things right. Right. At the fall, we went bankrupt. At the fall, we became separated by. By sin. And because we were separated, we became alienated from God. We we, we became apart, away from God, right? And so because we were alienated and bankrupt, we needed to be reconciled with God. So God needed to transform us before we could be instruments of transformation. He needed to change us before we could have any influence on anybody else. So this relationship is the first relationship that needs to be reconciled. maybe you're here today, you never had that experience with God. Maybe you never come to faith. Maybe you never, been re- you might even be mad at God for your circumstances or, or what has brought in your life. But if you want peace, you want to be right, it first starts with getting right with God, to being reconciled with God, to come into a relationship with God, because that's God's desire, is that we be reconciled with him. Because when we're reconciled with him, we can truly be reconciled with one another. See, the problem with our culture and society, the reason we can't be reconciled and there's so much division is that we're not reconciled with God. Oh, God. And when we're reconciled with God, but God begins to change our heart that we can be reconciled with one another. So this relationship has to happen first before this relationship can happen. Come on, come on. Because God changes our heart. Change, yeah. And so once we're reconciled with God, we can be reconciled with others because God hates discord among the brethren. He hates conflict among the brethren. But tr- true reconciliation is establishment of harmony and peace between enemies. Enemies are said to be reconciled when the hostility ceases and mutual love binds them together. Reconciliation is very relational. It's very relational, right? Yeah, we When we get in conflict with one another, guys, we got to work through that conflict and restore that relationship We can't ignore it. If you have conflict in your marriage and you don't deal with your conflict, it's going to affect your relationship. It has to be restored and reconciled. That's why the Bible says don't go to, go to bed angry. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Reconcile. Work through it because that'll put a wedge in your relationship. It'll put a wedge in the same thing with your kids or with your spouses or with your bosses or with your friends. That reconciliation is a part of life. It's a part of how we work together as a community, as a church, even outside the church. That's instrumental, staying healthy. Because if you don't become reconciled with one another, anxiety, stress, worry, fear, you're going to begin to experience all that. When David sinned against God, he felt all those emotions until he reconciled his sin with God. Amen says his bones ached. He was weary. He was tired. Read Psalm 51. It talks about the physical effects of a person not being reconciled with God. Just read it and see. Maybe you're feeling that way because you need to be reconciled with God so you can be reconciled with one another, right? And re- part of reconciliation is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. How many times are you to forgive somebody? 70 times 70. Calculate that. Because what did Jesus say? If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Jesus forgived us. Forgive them for they know not what they do from the cross. He was already extending forgiveness. He was already extending reconciliation. He was already extending all those things for us. Well, I'm not going to forgive them for what they did. You, you think that if you forgive them, you allow them who maybe have victimized you to get away of their sin. You know, forgiveness is more for you than it is for them. Uh, come on. Forgiveness is what heals your heart. Forgiveness is what restores things in you. Now, I'm not saying you chase everybody down that you have problems with and, and ask for forgiveness because that might not be safe or healthy. Right. But you still can forgive, come on, come on. and God will let God deal what He needs to do with them. Just like God's dealing with you, He'll deal with them. Amen. You know what I mean? And I want to encourage you parents. Maybe you have wayward kids, or kids are off and cause you nothing but trouble and heartache. Forgive them, but then turn them over to the Lord. Let God deal with their hearts. Don't 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 nag them. Don't you know what? Pray for them. Prayer is the greatest thing you could do for your family. Pray for them and see what God does. See, the world needs to see more reconciliation with one another. I, I think of Jesus when He selected the twelve men who were called to the ministry of reconciliation. But before He could, they were even called to the ministry of reconciliation. They had their own conflicts amongst themselves. They had their own fighting amongst themselves. Some of them thought themselves more better than others. Oh, I'm greater servant than all of you guys, right? Even Peter said, oh yeah, they're all gonna reject you, Jesus, but I'm not gonna reject you. What an ego. Like they're all gonna deny you, Jesus, but I'm not gonna deny you. Man, he's the one that denied him three times. Be careful of our own vulnerability and our own brokenness and our own weakness, right? But what did Jesus do with Peter? After the whole thing, after he resurrected, they had a little barbecue on the beach and they, they reconciled their relationship. Peter, now you're going to be fishers. I mean, Peter, and he restored that relationship. He didn't kick Peter to the curb. He didn't throw him in the ocean. He didn't deny him. Even though Peter denied Jesus, Jesus used to deny him. How many times has God forgiven us and he hasn't denied us, but we've denied him in our own actions. And yet God is still forgiving and still merciful and still gracious, Right. And this ministry that he gives us, this ministry of transformation, this ministry of reconciliation, notice he uses the word ministry. The word ministry is the word diakonite, which means to serve, to serve. The greatest way that we bring reconciliation is to serve one another and serve those, even serve your enemies. Even serve those ones that don't like you, right? Our services draw men, women, and children to be reconciled to God. And so he's given us a mission, a purpose to reconcile people and to one another, to God through service. Why did we do the Hope Toy Drive? It was our act of service. It was part of the ministry of reconciliation. It's part of extending love to people that we don't have even met yet to be a part of the the family of God and the of our New Vision family. Jesus is the mediator of that. He came and served and gave his life for ransom for many. Guys, we trust God to do what he does. The word does not come back void. We serve, we tell them about Jesus and God will bring them to himself. I save nobody. I'm only the conduit by which proclaims the gospel that you can hear and get to know God. This happened on Hope Toy Drive Day. Sam, I don't think Sam's here this morning. But I was cleaning up, helping with the team in the, gym and we were cleaning up so I was here late with the team with Sean and Brandon and the team as we finished up and I'm walking up across the street coming up here and I was um, we're talking with somebody in a van and so this guy pulls up with his van and it's a guy named Sam Sam is was an old gangster kid who used to live, who used to be a gangster for OBS, which at that time was Orenobor Soldiers. They used to live right there on Orange Avenue here. Their whole neighborhood was right here. When I was about 25 or 26 years old, I was preaching the gospel of him and ministering to him for 25 years. 25 years ago, sharing the gospel with him. And I lost touch with him. I was looking for you, and I heard you were right here. And I want to let you know that I I love Jesus now. He said, I did 13 years in prison, but God got a hold of me, and I remember your words, and I wanted to come and thank you. He was here last Sunday, sitting next to me last Sunday. You never know what God's going to do with the words that you share as you're trying to people to reconciliation. You never know where you might just be the planter. Somebody else might be the waterer, but God brings the harvest. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation, and he's given us a word of reconciliation. Look at 19. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the word to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, but has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ. That was Jesus was in the flesh. That was God in the flesh. The word became flesh for the grace of God that brings salvation is pure to all men. That's Jesus. And so Christ has become the sacrifice of atonement for our sins and he was reaching out to the world to make it right, to fix it. Jesus came to fix all humanity, so he went into all the world. He's commanding us to go into all nations, all people groups, to all the world to proclaim this gospel. Each of you in this room and each of you online has a story, a narrative of what God's done in your life. Amen. He's changed you. He's given you a ministry, right? God has removed his wrath from you. He's removed his judge. He says he imputed What does he say here? Look at this. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Interesting. You know what he's saying is? Because you're in Christ, your new creation, the judgment that was supposed to come on you is not on you no more. The wrath that was supposed to come on you is not on you more. You think the judge putting down the gavel is going to be bad? When you stand before the judgment of God without Christ, that's pretty intense and bad. Separ- eternal separation from God, we call that hell. You wanna know what hell is like? Go to a place where there's no love at all. That's eternal and that's painful. Now we have scriptural basis for that. But I'm saying, as God says, I removed it now. I'm not imputed all your crazy junk that you had. It's all gone. I'm not, I'm not holding that against you anymore for those that are in Christ, right? And then he says, but I've given you this word, this word of reconciliation, right? I'm giving you this word. I'm not imputing this, but I'm giving you responsibility. And your responsibility is to go tell others about what God has done with you. Isn't that what the woman of the Samaritan, the woman at the well did? She met Jesus at a well, half Samaritan, half Jew, his living water. Jesus changed, his, changed her life. Right away, she goes out of the town and tells everybody, Look, this is what the man did with me. Guys, if God transformed you and changed you, it's only our natural response to tell other people what God did in our life. That's that's the ministry of reconciliation, telling your story, telling people what God did. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your family. Tell whoever it is that will listen. Just tell them. And he's committed this ministry of right? reconciliation. He's committed the words of God, the gospel to us, the mystery, and that word is called the sword of the Spirit. It's part of our armor. And he's given us the sword of the spirit, right? Because the sword of the spirit cuts to the bones of marrows and those intentions heart. If I just speak to you the word of God, that's why I read the scriptures to you because I'm throwing the word on you and I'm trusting God's, we're going to cut you all up. Come on, come on. Listen, listen, listen. The sword, the knife of God's word, depending on how it's used, can heal or hurt. In the hands of a robber, it will hurt you, in the hands of a surgeon he will heal you. Guys, we use this word to bring healing. The word of God is what does surgery to bring healing in our lives, not to rob you. Satan is a thief and the robber, he says. And he twists God's word to bring you harm. He twists God's word to bring death. Remember Matthew 4, Luke 4? Jesus was tempted and the enemy knew the word. He used the word like a knife to just kill, not a knife to heal. Guys, the word is a healing agent. The sword will convict you. It's one to reveals you. It wants to show you things in to bring healing and restoration. And so we have this message we bring, this logos we bring. It's trustworthy message that we tell people about. Guys, we've lost that passion as a church to evangelize. My challenge this week to you is who, who is one person you could just tell your story with this week? Tell them about the love of God. Oh God's done for you, That's my challenge. And last days we closed this morning, remind them that they are ambassadors. Look at Corinthians 5, 20, and 21, right? I know you all just got off of Christmas, and so some of you did some Christmas window shopping, right? And when you looked in the window, you saw these mannequins that were all dressed up, right? These dummies were dressed up to attract you into the store, and the owners dressed these dummies up in order to appeal to the window shoppers. Let me tell you something guys. We are the dummies. We, we are the dummies that God has transformed our life in such a radical way that we have been clothed in Christ to draw people to God. Now we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors to represent Christ to others and to attract in an attractive way. Paul writes this. And I, want you, I don't mean disrespect to call you dummies, but I want you to hear what, how we are, see ourselves. It says this, Paul writes, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. He's chosen you to shame those that think they got it all together. He's chosen you to confound the wise. He's chosen you to confound the foolish. He's taken the broken and the jacked up and the messed up and the and the misfits and all that to whose kingdom purpose, to represent him. He didn't take the highly educated. He didn't take the ones with the, the, the PhDs. The, the disciples didn't have the PhDs. They're the kids with the ADD. They probably got their GED. They were fishermen. He didn't select the best. He, he select the weakest because he said, when I'm weak, you are strong. He chose you to be his representative to the world. Thank you, God, that you would even choose us, that you would even select us. Paul said, thank you that I'm in the ministry. Paul writes, Timothy, fulfill your work as an evangelist young Timothy, who was anxious and fearful and had stomach problems and was anxiety-filled. This young pastor in Timothy, read read first and second Timothy, talks about his weaknesses all over the place. Frail, wasn't sure of himself, insecure. All of us have those things. And yet God used him as an ambassador. We are God's representative. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though we were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. See, ambassadors represent God publicly. So we are as reps. We are as PR people as the church. We rep God, right? We are as ambassadors. We represent his kingdom. Remember, we're new creation, so that makes us citizens of heaven. We have a new kingdom, right? And we serve this foreign land on behalf of God So now you've been positioned to represent God's kingdom and you are God's kingdom workers. And it's an honor to be his, an ambassador for the king. It's an honor to speak on the king's behalf. And we don't speak in our authority. We speak in his authority. We are his mouthpiece, right? And God speaks through us, to the world has given us the words of reconciliation. And look at this. He's saying this, Paul says, I beseech you to be reconciled with God. He's, He's passionate. He's pleading. He's begging. Look, if there's anything I could offer you, get right with God. Paul, the ambassador is telling the world that, right? Why? Because ambassadors are kingdom warriors. Ambassadors are kingdom warriors, right? What was Jesus' prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was the prayer. We are transformers who are used by God to transform people and communities by replicating the biblical Jesus, meaning when, we see, when they see us, they see Jesus, See, the way to transform our neighborhoods, our homes, the way we transform those things is that God transforms us. And so we need to be intentional about reconciliation by rebuilding broken relationships. And so we have been transformed by the transformer himself. Look at 21 as we close. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The gospel is God's sacrificial love. The gospel was the way Jesus demonstrated his love for us. Christ became our substitute. He traded places with us. He came to be like us so that we can be like him. But God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took our place. He became sinful that we might become righteous. He took on the sin. I want you to say he became sinful. He took on the sin to cover our sin. For the wages of sin is death. So he took on death so that we wouldn't have to take that. Though we might die physically, we will not die spiritually. That's called eternal life. He became a sin offering. He knew no sin, was not familiar with sin, but became sin for us. That's why on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why has you forsaken me? He had never, ever been separated from his father. He never even, he didn't have an absentee father. He never knew separation from his father. So when separation happened because of of our sin, He's crying out to his father. He said, I don't know this experience. I don't know this. I'm not familiar with this. I'm not familiar with sin. I'm not comfortable with sin. I don't know this. That's why he cried out. That was new for him. Some of us have to be weaned off the world. We're familiar more with the sin and more with the world than we are familiar with God. We need to be weaned off. So some detoxing needs to be taking place in our life. And we need to be weaned and connected and nurtured by God. And so God imputed his righteousness, right? We have been clothed with his righteousness and we entered the kingdom by his righteousness and not ours. And this righteousness is found in God by faith. We incurred a debt that we couldn't pay. That's why the gospel is good news, right? Listen, we are not any different than anyone else. We have just experienced God's love to give us the greatest gift, his righteousness. Now we live in such a way to serve in a way that others might be drawn to Christ. That's how we live. Guys, we're not here to throw stones. We're not here to, to yell and scream at people. We're called to love in Jesus because we've been created in him. We've been made new in him. So I close with these things as Pastor Beck's gonna come and lead us in communion. We are changed children in Christ. We are changed children. We are new creations. I want to remind you of that. I want to remind you, we are commissioned to be reconcilers. We're called to preach the gospel. That's our mission. That's our purpose as a church. And lastly, we are as ambassadors to our communities. We represent God with our lives. That's a calling. That's a position that God has given us. I want to remind you of that. This morning. Let's pray. Father in the name of Jesus, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings, for your goodness, mercy, and grace, Lord, this morning. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.